just like to begin with prayer tonight and to begin with the prayer of the gospel from this weekend. Um, Deacon John had a wonderful homily about um, you know, the transfiguration being some of those big moments, but then he was able to translate it into some of the everyday moments as he told the story of his grandfather. Um, but the transfiguration is a story of God giving us what we need when we need it. And so he knew that the disciples were going to begin to need to know what was ahead for them, which was his passion and his death, and he was starting to prepare them for that. So he gave Peter, James, and John a glimpse of his glory before they headed to Jerusalem to the cross. So if we could stand as we pray with our gospel again tonight. And the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. So we got God, we ask that you be with us tonight and during the coming nights as we gather as parish and guests to reaffirm our faith, to go deepen in our faith in you. Just ask that you open our hearts that you show each one of us those next steps that you desire to teach us, those ways in which you desire to challenge each of us to learn more about you to appreciate and receive more fully your love, to be able to share that love with the people in our lives. We ask that you bless these evenings through Christ our Lord. Amen. During Lent so far, we've been singing a short song called Step by Step, um, which is a song that I ask that we get to know a little bit um, as it refers to sort of what we'll be talking about these days. So hopefully we have heard it and we're comfortable singing right in as we join in that song.
Using that song as our beginning and ending, part of our beginning and ending prayer each of the nights. For mission, I, I chose that theme step by step as a way of just helping us understand that that's how God keeps working with us. Um, we've had a number of outside speakers come um, the past few years for our mission, Father Dan Felton, Father Dave Plyer, Father Luke Ferris, Alice Heinzen was here last year. Um, and this year, the speaker doesn't come from very far. Um, but I'm glad to be here and to be able to just share a little more of my journey and my story in a little longer way than I get to do in eight or ten minutes at a time in a homily. I'm going to share some of my story now because my story is so great. Um, but simply to help us recognize that God is at work in each and every one of us and to help us reflect that, um, we need to pay attention to that, how God does work with us very personally and very individually. There's many, many different saints in our world, and they all are quite different, yet we can learn from each one of them and their lives. There's all kinds of different religious orders that have different charisms, and yet each of them show us and teach us a bit of the way, the spiritual path to following the Lord Jesus. So again, you know, I'm going to share some of how God has worked in my life, not to say that that's how God should work in anyone else's life, um, but just to help us all recognize that God is working in our lives and that God wants all of us to have a relationship with him. I think along the way, there are some common elements uh, that cut across most people of faith. We are all creatures. We're all created by God. And so we're all made in God's image and likeness. So we share much more in common than we have that is different. We don't create ourselves, and that goes with our faith as well. We are chosen and loved by God beloved children of God, as we heard in the gospel this weekend. And as beloved children of the same Father, that makes us sisters and brothers to one another, in relationship to one another. We have a responsibility to one another that comes because of our faith. And prayer is essential to our relationship with God. And while there are lots and lots of different ways of praying, 
What's important is that we do pray. We need our own personal prayer, which is going to be a bit unique to each of us. But Jesus also gave us the church and the sacraments, which become the means by which Christ strengthens us. And the church and the sacraments mean we also pray publicly with each other. And so both personal and public prayer are important to our lives. And as Christians, we're centered on the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He showed us the fullness of what we need to know on earth about God. And that revelation centers on what we call the Paschal Mystery, which is the death and the resurrection of Christ. And we enter into that Paschal Mystery as we grow in faith. We enter into his death as we become more and more aware of our own sinfulness, our own self-focus at times, and we learn to die to those things, to die to that sin, that self-focus, that self-centeredness, so that we can rise and live a new life in Christ, living as he lived, not for ourselves, but for others. And that central mystery is common to all of us. So, with that introduction, we, we begin. We start simply where we are tonight. Um, we're all on a journey, hopefully headed towards Christ. And what's important tonight is not how far along exactly we are on the journey, how holy we might be at this moment in our life. What's important is that we are on the journey that we are here, that we do desire to grow closer to God. And these next three nights are going to help each of us hopefully recognize where we are and then just take those next steps forward closer to Christ. Because each of us has got a little different starting point, the next step for us each is going to be a little bit different. But the direction will be the same. So I encourage all of us to be intentional these nights in praying about what are those next steps that God is challenging me to take as we grow closer to God, as we grow closer to his church. Past uh, five or six years, Bishop Ricken has been talking to us a lot about discipleship. And he uses the phrase, disciples on the way, as sort of a theme for us. And he's been doing a lot of formation, especially for the leaders of our diocese, our parishes, um, in terms of what it means to be a friend and a follower, a disciple of Jesus. In December, Bishop Ricken went with the other bishops from Illinois and Minnesota, or Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin and what's called the ad limina visit to Rome that happens once every five years. So every five years, the bishops of certain countries go to Rome and they pray at, they visit the tombs of Saints Peter and Paul and they have some time to interact with the Holy Father. Bishop Bricken has been telling the story of this past December when he was able to have a brief exchange with Pope Francis. Bishop Ricken shared with Pope Francis you know, all the 
the prayer and the efforts that he's been leading us in our diocese here in terms of discipleship and evangelization, Bishop Ricken was commenting to the Holy Father how much he's realizing the Holy Spirit has to be at the center of all of this. And the Holy Father responded that Bishop Ricken had very good insight in terms of the Holy Spirit and later told Bishop Ricken, Pew Avanti, which means move ahead, go forward with that, one step at a time, then he added. When Bishop came to uh, the Diocese of Green Bay 12 years ago, he brought with him a prayer that he had from his time as Bishop of Cheyenne, Wyoming, and he called it his Wyoming prayer. And he shared it with all of us who were serving at the diocese at the time, and his prayer was, Lord, help me to do your will, nothing more and nothing less. Lord, help me to do your will, not a moment sooner, nor a moment later than you will it. And that prayer, I think, has become very helpful for me as well in terms of the Holy Spirit, to be able to not get too far ahead and not be lagging too far behind, but to really try to sort out what's of me, which may not be of the Holy Spirit, and what truly is of the Holy Spirit. So that prayer again, Lord, help me to do your will. Nothing more, nothing less. Lord, help me to do your will, not a moment sooner, nor a moment later, than you will it. We have uh, these two pictures on the slide, two different examples of disciples walking along with Jesus. I'm going to ask that we look at those pictures and pick one or the other of them, whichever one we prefer. They're also on our handout, if it would be easier to see those. And once we pick which picture we're going to enter into, to take a moment and think about where we are in that picture. Are we in the front, anxious and eager to move forward? Are we towards the back, somewhat reluctant, curious, but not real sure about things? Are we in the middle somewhere, sort of engaged with other people, but maybe a bit distracted at times? So if we could just take a moment and and place ourselves somewhere in that picture. And when we have our spot, right below on our handout is the first box on the left-hand side. It's not only where did we put ourselves, but why. Why are we there? Where are we in our walk with the Lord right now? And then what three words might describe where we are at right now? in our walk with the Lord. And if we're willing to maybe just share a bit of that with someone sitting next to us just for about 60 seconds, why don't we do that now? And so as we come back together, um, we could just join in that refrain to our song one more time. Oh God, you are my God. 
As long as we're somewhere in that picture, that means we are in relationship with God. And our relationship with God is going to involve prayer. Relationship with God is, in lots of ways, very similar to any other relationship. It takes time and effort if it's going to deepen. We all interact with lots and lots of different people but we only go deeper with certain people. And those relationships that do go deeper take more time and effort on our part. And we, we nurture them. We have to nurture them or that doesn't happen. So I'd like you to think about who are a few of your closest friends right now. And what about 10 years ago? who were your closest friends 10 years ago. My guess is that some of those people are the same and some are different. At least probably for most of us that's true. Because some of our friends change depending on our circumstances. Where we live, where we work, where we go to school, how old our children are. Some of those friends come in and out of our lives and are with us and are good friends for a period of time. But once we move, we tend to lose touch. Other friends stay with us over time, and they started out as one of those other groups of people, but something different happened. We kept in touch. We stayed talking to them. We were intentional about nurturing our relationship with them. And those are the friends that become and remain friends over the course of our lives. We invest time and energy in them. We invest ourselves in those relationships. We become vulnerable with them. And so we go deeper in our relationship with them. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. You know, it's real easy for us to have our relationship with God be one of those circumstantial relationships. You know, we're all good when we need something. All of a sudden, there God is. And yet, when things are going well, you know, sometimes we think we're just fine on our own. 
But for our relationship with God to be ongoing, it's going to take effort on our part. It's going to take investment. It's going to take nurturing. And that nurturing is prayer. Prayer is simply the communication we have with God to deepen and develop our relationship with Him. It's a group called the Institute for Priestly Formation, and they have come up with sort of four elements of prayer that they teach to the seminarians of our country. And those are the four. They call it the pirate's prayer, which I always don't like, but our the pirate's prayer. So acknowledge, relate, receive, and respond. And so during these three nights, we're going to go through elements of each of those things. Acknowledge, relate, receive, respond in terms of our relationship with God, in terms of our prayer. Those, again, are on our handout. Tonight, we're going to focus on acknowledge. So part of that is that we just begin where we are. We acknowledge what's up in our own lives. Some of us are very close to God right now. Some of us feel a little distant with God right now. All of us are here tonight, which shows we have a desire for more, a desire to grow closer to God. So we begin by simply being aware of where we are and what's going on inside of us. And so we acknowledge our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires in relationship to God and in relationship to the other things that are going on in our life. And part of that acknowledging is remembering our past and how we got to where we are today. And part of that acknowledging is being aware of what is going on with us today. And so the question for tonight is, how has God loved us? A relationship goes both ways. It's always good to start with God's end of the relationship because God's the one that initiated. We did not. God did. So what are the ways in which God, over the course of our lives, has shown his love for us? Because we need to remember those ways, to keep them present in our minds and hearts. St. John, in his first letter, talks about that as he says, um, it's 1 John chapter 2. That's what's on the, uh, the handout. Let what you have heard from the beginning remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise he has made us, eternal life. Remembering what God has done is a key element of our prayer because it's being mindful, acknowledging what God has done for us, the initiative that God has taken in our lives. Sometimes God works in very powerful ways that are going to be easy to remember. And sometimes God works in very gentle and subtle ways that 
sometimes we forget. Today, the second Sunday of Lent, every year, we always pray with the gospel of the transfiguration as we did today. Jesus takes the three disciples that he spent the most time with, his sort of main three leaders, Peter, James, and John. He takes them up the mountain, Mount Tabor, the mountain of transfiguration, and he gives them a powerful experience of who he is. And as they went up the mountain, they came to experience his glory. They got a sense that this is not just another guy we're walking on these dusty roads with, that this is someone from God. And that experience of his glory was very important because I said at the beginning, as they walked down the mountain, Jesus started talking about his suffering and death, and they headed to Jerusalem. He wanted them to remember his glory because he knew they were going to enter into witnessing his suffering and death. So we think about our lives. Have we ever had any moments like the transfiguration? Maybe not that dramatic. But have we ever had any times where we experienced God's glory, where we experienced how awesome God is? may have been on a retreat experience. Often people who participate in a retreat of several days have a real encounter with God. Sometimes they describe a retreat as a mountaintop experience, like Peter, James, and John had may have had nothing to do with the retreat. It may have been a beautiful sunset. I heard the moon was beautiful right before sunrise this morning, although I missed it. it. may have been the birth of a child, or your wedding day, or first communion, or perhaps a very moving moment in the sacrament of reconciliation. For me, two of those special days were my ordination days to both uh, the diaconate and to priesthood. Both of them have remained very special days like that. I was ordained a deacon and then a priest a few months apart after eight years of preparation of seminary. The preparation is meant to be long so that both the church and I could make sure that that was the right calling. At both my deacon and priesthood ordinations, I had just a very powerful experience walking into church at the beginning of the ordination mass. Um, I was ordained a deacon in Rome at St. Peter's Basilica, so that might have a little bit to do with it that time. However, what was going on inside had very little to do with being in St. Peter's. What was going on inside was a very personal moment between me and God and and the church. I just remember both those days walking in um, to the main part of the basilica, first as a deacon with my classmates and just starting crying, just in awe that the God of the universe was calling little old me uh, to be entering into this vocation of service. It was just a very humbling moment. 
had the sense of God being very big and me being very small and yet being very loved in a real unique and personal way by God. And a few months later, the picture on the right, as I was walking into the cathedral in Green Bay, a very similar thing happened. Um, Just crying again in the same sense of God being very big, me being very small, but very loved by God. Some of those God moments for me were also from my involvement with retreats in high school and college that uh, were called Teens Encounter Christ or Tech Retreats. Retreats were three days focused on some of the basic elements of our Catholic faith. Um, We were with people our own age, other high school and college students, and I got to be good friends with quite a few of them. Those weekends were time away from school and the rest of life to focus on God, to form Christian community. It gave me some good Christian friends. And those tech weekends, in a lot of ways, became the basis of my adult faith and really helped me to grow. Our Curious Retreat weekends here at St. Raphael's are based on the tech retreats. They're very similar. And many of our high school students here have had similar experiences. Experiences of God, of the church, of Christian community. Um, Our religious education team believes very strongly in what Tommy is doing with these Kyrios retreats, so much so that we changed our confirmation program a couple of years ago so that the Kyrios retreat becomes a central part and the preferred option for our preparation for our students. There is another option, but we would prefer that all of them choose to go on one of these retreats because we really want them to encounter the Lord. And those retreats offer a means of allowing them to do that and to form Christian community. Both Kyrios and Tech and many other kinds of retreats are based on a retreat movement called Curseal, which is a worldwide retreat movement. A good number of people from St. Raphael's and elsewhere, including myself, have experienced Curseal weekends. There are many other very good retreat programs as well. The value of a retreat or a weekend experience like Curseal is that we take time away to be able to just focus on our relationship with God and where we're going in our lives. Often in the hecticness of our lives, it's hard to do that reflection any bigger than just what's going on right now. And we need some space and time to do that. So again, like to ask, are there any times that you might have had a significant experience of God? Are there any times in your life where you connected with other people of faith some really good Christian friends, maybe on a retreat or through a Bible study or at a Newman Center or on a mission trip or here at the parish. Being a priest, um, I sort of have to tend to and nurture my spiritual life so that 
I can help other people do the same. I've had um, an amazing opportunity to do a couple things that I realize most people will never be able to do. And I'm deeply, deeply grateful for those experiences. I've had two of them. One was in uh, 2002, when I had the opportunity to be on a 30-day silent retreat that's called the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola. That was the most powerful thing I've ever done in my life. A month of silence and prayer um, is an experience unlike anything else I've ever had or ever will have. Not only could we not speak, but we were told not to communicate non-verbally with anyone as well, so we could not make any eye contact, we could not hold the door open for anyone. There was no contact, no communication, just silence. And that was so that we could still our hearts and simply be with God. First few days were a little hard adjusting to that, and yet by the second week, I did not want to leave. I did not want to talk to other people anymore. I just wanted to be with God. And the last few days I spent just walking outside feeling like this is the closest I'm ever going to be to Jesus. And just would go for walks with him and feel like he was right there walking alongside of me. And those were very, very special days. Fifteen years later, right before I got here to St. Raphael's, I was able to spend two weeks by myself again at a hermitage. And that was right after I had finished uh, serving in the diocese in a, a very difficult position and was rather uh, spent and worn out. And I spent those two weeks again just walking and walking with God and talking with him and trying to listen to him. I had brought along my journal from that 30-day retreat and I reread each of those prayer times, five prayer times a day for 30 days and just allowed that 30-day retreat experience to come back to me again. And it was wonderful. So this is a picture I took during that time. Just again, I remember that day just feeling like I'm here with the Lord Jesus, and it's great. As I said, I realize that most of us are never going to be able to do those things. I was given that gift as a priest so that hopefully I can share some of what God taught me during those days as I serve people throughout the rest of my priesthood. What's true about those experiences, though, is that often we need silence and stillness to really hear what God is saying to us. We're so busy in our lives, and even our prayer time can be filled with so many different things that we have very little time to just be quiet and still and listen. Mass is meant to have some moments of silence within it. And so we've been trying to 
incorporate a little more of that silence before Mass begins at the end of the Liturgy of the Word, after receiving communion. Those are special moments to just still our hearts so that we can listen to what God might have to say to us. While my experience of silent retreats have been very helpful for me, I realize that most often God speaks to us in pretty ordinary ways. I experience God in things of beauty. Beautiful sunrise or sunset can do that for me. When I go somewhere, I don't necessarily want to go see all kinds of things anymore. I've done enough of that. So when I go somewhere, I just want a view of something beautiful. And then I'll just sit there and be for a while. Because beauty brings me to God. Beauty brings all of us to God. We see God in beauty. That's one of the ways that God reveals himself. Sometimes God comes to me in a moving moment at Mass. Sometimes it happens when I'm sitting here in church alone, just praying and trying to be quiet so I can listen a bit to God. Sometimes it's a moving moment when I'm simply listening to someone else share about God working in their life. So if we could take another time of some reflection ourselves to think about um, the questions on our sheet. When was I closest to God? And have I ever had any experience when I feel like I encountered God? And what was that like if I did? How did I feel? If we could take a few minutes to just think and pray about those questions. Just like Jesus brought Peter, James, and John back down off the mountain after the transfiguration, he does that with us as well. From Mount Tabor, they headed to the cross. God is not only with us in good times, but often it's in the more difficult times that we may experience God in an even deeper way, in times of suffering, times of difficulty. I am very quiet and shy by nature, in case you haven't noticed. Um, Growing up, I would often be alone at times, and as years have gone by, I've gotten more used to that and sort of like being alone at times. Um, earlier on, though, it was more difficult. Um, when I was in high school and college, um, I'd see other classmates seem like they had all kinds of friends and doing all kinds of things with each other, and I would sort of feel left out. Even though I had some good friends, I just felt like well, everybody else had better friends than I did. Years later, I talked to one of my brothers about this, who was the star of the basketball team, and everybody loved him. And yet, he described a very similar experience to what I had, even though, in my mind, you know, he was the most popular kid. When I was in college, I felt a similar way. felt a bit disconnected from my classmates. I was living at the seminary, so I wasn't living in the dorms on campus. 
I was majoring in business and philosophy, and I wasn't sure I fit in either of those worlds. The two majors are very different and never really settled into uh, either one of them real well. After college then, I spent four years in Rome in the seminary there. And they were wonderful years in many respects. I loved living in Rome, getting to live in a tremendous city, very historical, wonderful, wonderful churches all over, so much beauty and history. And yet I didn't come home for the first two years. This was the 87. Um, And so back then there was no email or internet or WhatsApp or FaceTime or even cheap phone calls. And so communication was by written letter. And that took about two weeks if things were going well. And sometimes it never got there. It was in those years that I really began to understand what it meant to center my life on God. Um, In the absence of my family and friends, I slowly learned how to rely on God. I realized that I relied on other people, especially my family and friends, and yet they were not always going to be there. A good friend of mine from the seminary and I used to say that we liked it there in Rome at the seminary because it was harder there. And it being hard is why we thought it was good, because we were forced to grow a lot. And in those times of feeling homesick was able, by not having too many other options, to turn to God. Um, I think I began to understand in a deeper way that God is the one who is always going to be with me. Especially the first couple years, I spent time just talking to him. As I became friends with a good number of the other seminarians, my friendships actually started to hurt my relationship with God because I would start to rely on them, on my friends, more than on God. We certainly... And I certainly need other people and good friends in our lives. And we're going to talk about that, especially on Tuesday night. But during those years, I felt like God was sort of fighting for me, within me, fighting for control of my heart so that I would rely on him more than on anyone or anything else. And those times of sort of experiencing God fighting for me inside my heart um, were one of the times I think I felt closest to God. I'm not sure I felt that at the time, but but looking back, um, that was a pretty significant thing for me. There were other times when a difficult stretch would help me grow closer to God. I think all of us experience times in our lives when We struggle. Some of that comes at times when we feel like we're not good enough in in some way. One of those times for me was about 12 or 15 years ago when I was a vocation director for the diocese, which meant I was working real closely with the seminarians um, who were studying to become priests. I really, really enjoyed that. There were and are some really quality young men who are studying to be priests and enjoyed that a lot. 
There were a few of them, however, who were a bit challenging to me. And with a few of them, I felt like I was never smart enough or holy enough or skilled enough. I never measured up. And I felt like I just was running into my limitations. I'm like, this is as far as I can go. And I remember talking to the priest that was my supervisor at the time and telling him that. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I've, this is as much as I can do. And I was comparing myself to them in some specific ways and feeling like I didn't measure up. And yet, looking back, I realized that was rather stupid of me. Um, but that is how I was thinking and feeling at the time. I would feel intimidated, and that would leave me not in a good spot. But in acknowledging those thoughts and feelings in my prayer, I'd realized that God thought differently, that God would see things differently. God does see things differently. I go to God and say, you know, I feel like I'm not whatever enough that day. And in return, I would have a sense in my prayer that God wanted me in my role because I am the way I am, not in spite of the way I am. And I'd later go through the same kind of discussions with God when I became the priest that worked with the priests of the diocese. Same thing. God, why do you have me doing this? And in my prayers, I went to God with that. God would say, no, you're exactly the one I want to do this because of how I made you. And I would realize that it was because of my quiet nature because of my lack of being too extreme on things, that God placed me where he did. God was able to use me in building some bridges between different types and different groups of people. And in building those bridges, people were able to trust me and hopefully trusting me to trust God a little more. And meanwhile, with both the seminarians and the priests, Uh, Some of those against whom I felt inadequate ended up being the ones who who never did make it as priests. God, again, affirmed that he made me as I am intentionally. My nature is quiet, and so I need to allow God to use my quiet nature rather than to try to be something or someone different. I may never be the smartest or holiest or skilled priest or person or the most charismatic, but I am a calm person, and God gives me that calm to, I think, allow me to be an instrument at times for different kinds of people rather than only a few kinds of people being able to feel connected to me. Again, a little time of reflection in terms of our own lives. We could each reflect on the question, how has God made me? And how does God use how God made me? How does God use my nature, my temperament, my personality? the gifts that God has given to each one of us.
So again, if we could take a few moments of quiet prayer with those questions. And then St. Paul talks about how God uses us in our weakness. So this verse, Christ said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then he goes on to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Often it's in those places where we acknowledge our limitations, our weakness, that God is able to come in. Um, If I'm strong, I'm very tempted to rely on myself. If I rely on myself, I'm not relying on God, and I don't need God in those times. And so I sort of make myself into my own God. And it's only in knowing my need for God that I allow God in. And I don't think I'm alone in that. So, so often it's in, it's in our limitations, it's in our weakness, it's in our struggle that God is able to enter more fully. One of the challenging parts about uh, being the vicar for clergy at the diocese was the area of clergy sexual abuse. Um, This was both the hardest and the most grace-filled time of my priesthood. Um, I was very privileged to listen to, to some victims share what had happened to them Um, experienced their anger, their frustration. I learned over time to be okay with just receiving their anger and realize that there's no easy way to to make it all better. Um, Some of that harm will, will stay with people for their whole lifetimes. I also realized in a deeper way um, the danger in power, Um, whether it be a priest or an uncle or a coach or a teacher or a boss or anyone who has power and authority over someone else, there's a danger of abuse. I've learned that we need to tread lightly with one another, especially those in our care. And that's a lesson I hope I will never lose, that I need to tread lightly with the people entrusted to my care. Um, I've been humbled through this experience. I know the power a priest has for good and for evil. And in my prayer, God has taken me to just a place of humility before him, I know how easy it is to use a position of authority or powerful or power in ways that are harmful. And I know I need all the more to turn myself over to God, to rely not on myself, but to simply be aware that God may want to use me in certain ways to do his work. And I need to stay out of the way so that God can be at work. I think I'm a much better priest because of the humbling of the priesthood as a whole that's taken place the past 15 or 20 years. I know how much I need to rely on God. 
I know how powerful the evil one is, the devil, both in me and in our world. On the days when it's not real easy to be a priest in this environment, I have experienced a deeper unity with Christ. Um, I know I need to hold on to that relationship with him. And I know how fragile we all are. In a sense, I think God is able to use these awful scandals to purify us as a church. They make us recommit ourselves to him. Um, Our society needs to learn these lessons in many areas and institutions. and, And maybe it's very appropriate that the church is the one that's taking the lead, both in being called to task as well as being part of the solution. My experience in seeing the brokenness of people and the brokenness of the priesthood has also led to my experiencing a real renewal in an authentic priesthood as well. One of the takeaways from my 30-day silent retreat was simply the phrase from God, ask for help, ask for help. I'm not meant to know it all or to do it all but I am meant to rely on God and not on myself. And I realize that God works through other people besides me. And none of us are perfect. And we don't need to be perfect to be close to God. In fact, if any of us thinks we are perfect, we probably are not very close to God. It's in knowing our brokenness, our sin, our ability to harm others that God often is able to draw us closer to himself. All of us are called to a humility before God and a deep reverence before one another. Sometimes when we fail to acknowledge our faults and failings, our relationships don't go real well. We defend ourselves rather than listening to how we need to change. And how often has our inability to know our need to change caused harm in our relationships with someone else? It's part of acknowledging where we are before God. We acknowledge our need for God's grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So again, reflection question, how does God work even in my weakness, my limitations? And how do I need help from God? With our our handout tonight, I hope we take this home and and pray with some of these questions. You know, maybe one or another of them um, is one that God might want to work with us on. Um, So just let's take some of these questions home and and just bring them to prayer because sometimes it's something that um, the Lord just touches our heart a little bit, but we need a lot more time to sort of see what God actually has to say us in that regard. John the Baptist recognized Jesus when he came. He acknowledged him as the one he was waiting for. 
He pointed him out to others. John the Baptist, and especially some of his disciples, as well as some of Jesus' disciples, had high hopes when the Messiah was coming and what the Messiah was going to do. They were looking in some ways for a revolutionary that was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, their foreign dominators. And yet that's not how or why Jesus the Messiah came. Who God is was manifested or shown most powerfully as he gave his son up to death. The cross in the time of Jesus was the ultimate in humiliation. They would leave people hanging up on the cross so people could just jeer at them. And yet that's where God chose to show us the depth of his love and who he is. Tonight has been about how we come to know God's love. How has God loved me? How has God loved us? The first step of prayer in a relationship with God is simply to be aware and remember and acknowledge that God indeed is with us, that God indeed loves us, that God has made us as we are. So I hope tonight we'll let each of us in our own time of prayer reflect on how God has been at work in our own lives. In the big moments of God's beauty and glory, but also, and perhaps more powerfully, in the humbling moments in which we realize how much we really need God and how much God is right there for us in those moments, wanting to give us the help we need. So on the bottom of our handout are the final questions for tonight, which is, what is my next step? Again, this is going to be a little different from, for everyone, and we might not know that answer tonight. That's where if we keep praying with our handout, with our, our sheets, the questions. But what is the next step in which God might be calling me to help me understand his love for me? Tonight has been a little more of a, an introduction. Um, tomorrow... Sort of the theme is, Lord, help me to know your love. How do we grow deeper in our relationship with God? How do we experience God, especially in, in Scripture and in the sacraments? And at the end of the evening tomorrow, we'll have some time of adoration, as well as an opportunity for the sacrament of reconciliation. And then Tuesday evening will be the next step, moving from our relationship with God to our relationship with others. An authentic relationship with God is always going to have that movement from God to others. And we're going to reflect on how God, at times, is going to challenge us to grow in areas that maybe we've avoided in terms of our experience of, of growing and understanding some of the things maybe we struggle with in terms of the teachings of our faith. I'd like to thank all of you for coming tonight.
like to thank those of you who have prayed for my voice to help me get through tonight because oh, God heard those prayers, so thank you. Um, but thanks for coming tonight. And uh, we will close with um, a prayer and then that song again. Our prayer is again the scripture from the middle of our handout from the first letter of John. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. And we thank you for this evening. Thank you for the many ways in which you have been at work in each of our lives, forming us, teaching us, showing us your love for us. Please continue to guide us deeper and deeper into that love. Help us help one another to know your love. Help us to always remember, as St. John has called us, let what you have heard from the beginning remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise he made us, eternal life. So when we stand for our closing song, Yeah.